and welcome to 2019. We are Tools in the Shed, powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me is Tom, who's been thinking about the fresh metal heading our way Hello. in 2019, as well as another James, better known as J3. Um, he's stepping up to make some courageous calls on the tech he'd like to see the back of this year. Um, and we'll check in with that car-making, tunnel-digging, rocket-launching geek who thinks he's cool in this week's Muskwatch. So stay with us. But first, fresh metal we're excited about in 2019. Tom, kick us off. What are you, what is, what's on your radar and um, wheels that you're waiting to, to hit the land in Australia? So there's a few cars that are launching this year that should be quite exciting. Um, first of which was one that I looked at recently, the Toyota Supra. I wasn't really excited about uh-huh. this car just a few months ago. Why not? Yeah. I just thought, you know, what are you getting? Are you, are you getting a BMW or are you getting a Toyota? It was a, yep. it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to look at when there's... It's essentially a BMW underneath. And look, and also, I think compounding the whole thing is, I don't know whether our listeners and viewers agree, but Toyota is guilty, I think, of just teasing the Mm. hell out of this car. Like It's it's something people are generally pretty excited about, even if they're not going to buy one. It's like, oh, great, another rear-wheel drive sports car arriving. Um, Let's just send out another picture of a camo car. Or another 20-second clip. Yeah, yeah, which I think just becomes a little bit frustrating. So there's that as well. But yeah, right, okay, the BMW twinning thing. And um, I think you're right on that. But like people are probably sick of it by now. They're probably sick of seeing. I mean, this the rel- l- this has the longest teasing tail I yep. think of maybe any car ever. Like we saw elements of it way back in 2011. Yep. And now we're only just now finally getting leaked pictures of what it'll actually look like. And, and look, our listeners and viewers should know that we made a conscious decision on the way through there to just not you know pay attention to some of this stuff. Mm. We we knew we were being played. Um, and we just made a, a common sense call on how much Supra yeah. um, info to, to put through, as it were. That having been said, I was invited to uh, Melbourne not so long ago to actually have a look at it. Yeah. And um, look, that kind of changed my mind a little bit. It, and it was nice to talk to Tetsuya Tata, who is the you know the lead on the whole project, and he was the lead on the '86 as well. And uh, just talking to him, his passion for the car, it that's enough to get you excited for it. Like, he's excited for us to drive it. He's excited for us to have a go of it. Yeah. And, you know, talking to him, I did manage to squeeze out that he's actually driven a manual prototype. So there yeah. is one that exists yeah. in yeah. Europe somewhere, which should excite a few people, uh, especially off the back of claims not very long ago that uh, manual was ruled out completely. So sure. the fact that, you know, there's a, still a chance people can hold on. And I think as well, it will be, it stands a chance of being more successful than something like the new NSX, which was just, it, it was so astronomically priced. Yeah, that no one wanted to spend that much on a Honda. Yeah, I mean, you still exactly. need the arm and leg that you've got to chop off to pay for it to drive the car. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and, they're, and they're currently sort of targeting a price somewhere between, I think it's somewhere between seventy and $90,000. So, you know, keeping yeah, it under a hundred. With BMW running gear, that that's still kind of good. a good And there's good such deal. residual goodwill and awareness mm. of Supra when you think about the fact that the, I want to call it A80, was the one yeah. that didn't come yeah. here officially, but so many um, you know private import and grey market cars came here. It's as if it did. Yeah. Um, there are quite a lot out there. So um, a lot of real goodwill for that car. But let's let's move on. We've got a lot to, a lot <laughs> yeah. to cover. So, uh, and just, just the uh, other one I was quite keen to see, and just because this is such a bold proposition, is the new Suzuki Jimny. I'm yeah. really glad that Suzuki 
uh, being the most profitable car brand in the world now, um, is throwing around some of that money doing cool things. Like, sure. we've got the Swiss Sport. That car shouldn't exist. Yeah. Like, all of its other competitors, apart from uh, something you're going to mention in a second, is is has gone out of style. Like, that, that little hot hatch, it, it just doesn't really exist anymore, especially from Japan. So, I'm glad they're doing that. But the Jimny, it looks awesome. It's like yeah. what... Land Rover Defender fans have wanted for, for years. Yeah, because JC, you're excited for the Jimny too, aren't you? I am. Only because it, it it's not, but it feels like an analog car. Yeah. Like, you know, that there's there's not a lot of um, tech that's no. taking control yep. over you. You're very much driving the car. It's simple as. If you want to engage full drive stuff, you pull a big lever yeah, and you yeah. hear, like metal yeah. clunking yeah. And around. And that's so much part of its charm. I mean, and also the fact that Jimny is spelt. J-I-M-N-Y, and yeah. that historically is a another piece of charm for that particular car. But yeah, simplicity, light, user kind of um, engagement, you're yeah. really doing everything. The car is not in control, you are, which, yeah. is, which is so much fun. And I, I do love how it plays so much to Suzuki's strengths in that it has this sort of pan-market applicability yeah. like they can sell this thing in india all they can the sell it in australia yeah, yeah. people love it people yeah. want to lap it up so and, I, i'm all, all on board with you. and if anything we've posted about it is any indication people it are re- ready up. for it right yeah. we're not alone you know in being excited about this car yeah so next um <laughs> next i'll i'll chime in because i think the next one it could actually be um, a private purchase for me in the coming year, yeah. which would be a Mazda 3. So really? I've been tremendously impressed by the Toyota Corolla, um, that the current Corolla on that new TNGA platform. It's just so great dynamically, the ride comfort, the, the handling, the whole bit. Uh, and yet there's this kind of uh, other one coming out of the clouds being a Mazda 3, and you'd love to know what that's like yeah. um, before laying down some cash. And mm, uh, yeah. it's coming soon, and that's an exciting car. I'm really, really excited for the yep. Mazda Skyactive X engine. Yep. Like the standard, like the current generation Mazda 3 is such a good car as it is. And mm-hmm. you've got to think, how big is the leap going to be from this car now to the second one? And all the tech, all the innovation, all that engineering that's now in the Mazda 3, I'm really excited. Like the, just the... The HCCI engine, the mm. spark plug, uh, is now well. It's still there, but it transitions between the two. Sure, I'm really excited so, to find out that weird window where it transitions. So what we're talking what about, like. of course, is compression ignition, which yep. is the means of combustion for a diesel engine. Um, but Mazda uh, putting it into production for a mass car, a volume yep. car, in a petrol context. Yep. So as J3 says, there's a transition point where your can traditional spark to make the bang go bang yeah. um, changes to compressing the fuel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting yeah. to interrogate all of that. Because it's always tech. been a problem to do it in the real world. Like concept cars, I think Mercedes did it before. But the problem is, is the fuel, because we have different grades of fuel, 91, mm. 95, 98. The higher it is, the more resistant it is to detonating too early. Right on. And also... By in design. Order, by design, yeah. And also, to compress the fuel without a spark plug, petrol fuel, it does it at such a high temperature, and that creates nasty gases like nit- nitrates and oxides and all types of stuff. And that makes it difficult for a production car that needs to be sold, because you can't save half a litre of fuel and it spews out like sure. atom bombs out the yep. back. Yep. So the, the the fact that Mazda has been able to compromise so much and do it in the real world, yeah. that just gets... I think also the, the engine is a really interesting little kind of 
piece all of itself yeah. under the bonnet. But also Mazda, we were talking about this in the office the other day, has been so confident in, in its design-led uh, strategy for all of its vehicles. Mm. Uh, the new Mazda 3, there are some comments about a big, fat C-pillar, you know, in the mm, back yeah. that, that may compromise vision um, over your shoulder. I think the car, just in, in photographs, looks fantastic. I'm really excited yep. to see what it looks and feels like in reality. So mm. um, that's another one. And that competition in that, that market, it's the more traditional car um, that's diminishing as SUVs seem to just rise and rise. Yep. But it's still pretty hot. You know, Corolla, yeah. Mazda 3, it's going to be good. It's yeah. going to be good. And you can see the improvements it's made in that segment. Like, look yep. at the i30, look at the Mazda 3, look at the Toyota Corolla. Yeah. Now. They're all such good cars yeah. because of that competition. Definitely. Yeah. So, now, next car, we move into an entirely different part of the automotive world. J3, you've nominated the Taycan from, yeah. from Porsche. This is one that's got your eyebrows raised. This was a bit of a cheat because um, it won't be launched until 2020 in no. Australia, and when it does, no one's... I, do, I don't see a lot of people buying it. Like, it's a pretty exclusive, pretty expensive car, um, but it's bound to be a tour de force and technological innovation. Yeah. But then again, that's what they would say. Sure. I mean, we haven't driven it yet. Um, so that's 440 kilowatts, 0 to 100 k's in 3.5 seconds. Um now, the total range is 500 k's. With electric cars, as we all know, the key figure that we're interested in is range. Sure. 500 k's. Now, a Tesla 100D will do 500 k's of That's range. That's a Model S, yeah? Model S, yeah. yep. But the Porsche will charge 400 k's in 15 minutes. That's really good, mm. isn't it? 15 minutes for 400 k's And that's right. Range. As you say, the coming technology in zero-emission vehicles is so multifaceted. Yeah. You know, you've got the actual motor and the way in which it works and the car and then the charging technology yep. and how much the batteries can take. And it's uh, a complex kind yep. of web. Mm. Um, and if Porsche can take some big strides forward, everybody benefits. And you're looking across at other things too, like Hyundai is doing their, uh, high, like the power cell technology, yeah. which the moment we post stories about that, that sort of stuff, you know, will it be batteries or will it be, you know, hydrogen power cells? It, it, people get up in there and they're so heavily opinionated about which one. Already. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Already, yeah. and it's so early. Because the weird thing is, I think Porsche are developing these batteries themselves. They bought a stake with Rimac. Everybody knows Rimac, mm. don't yeah. they? The Concept One hyper supercar that's electric and it's just mental. Sure. So they've teamed up with um, Rimac. And which is a bit odd because, as far as I know, manufacturers tend to just buy batteries from like Samsung and sure. LG and South, South Korean and stuff. Yeah. That and happens Japanese often, yeah. That. Yep. yep. And number two, what's got me interested about the Taycan? Am I pronouncing that right? Let's just get that right. I've no idea. Taycan. We cop. We cop hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, particularly on videos where you know people overseas are listening to us. It's not Macan. It's Machan, and it's yeah. Macan. And oh, God, just call it so what you want. I'm going to say Taycan. Fine. Um, it's Taycan. 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the Taycan, is it going to handle like a Porsche? Because uh -huh. you've driven sure. a... Sorry. You've driven a whole bunch of EVs, haven't you, James? Sure, yeah. And they're not what... They're fast, but they're not what you'd probably call engaging. I, I, I think the one the ones that are good are the ones where you forget that it's an EV. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and the Ionic from Hyundai just recently, driving the full electric version of that car, it's... There's... there's it's quiet, like duh, yeah, it's quiet, yeah. but it's just a very engaging drive. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's it's a normal car. It's a yeah. normal hatch. So I'm excited to see the reviews on whether the 
Taycan has that little bit of Porsche spirit. Yeah. That almost all. You mean the Taycan? Taycan. Yeah. Uh, So moving on, uh, we one I I threw into the mix is the Fiesta ST um, from Ford. Now, Ford in the States has sort of deserted yeah, uh, conventional cars. Com- completely abandoned. SUVs and trucks. Um, that's where they're heading. But this car escaped um, the guillotine, and it's coming our way. And I've always thought that the Fiesta ST is a kind of pragmatic choice for people that enjoy driving and want to enjoy their car to the full without going nuts and breaking the law and endangering their life and others. Yeah. It, it's a car that you can enjoy from one set of traffic lights to the next, mm. you know, because the gear shift's so nice yeah. mm. and the engine sounds great and you can be going well within the speed limit and take a corner and go, oh, that was fun. You know, just yeah. in a real normal world, it's sort of a benchmark. If you go much beyond that, you're not tapping into the car's mm. full resources and you feel like, really, I should be at a race circuit to, to get the best out of this yeah. car. It's a real-world fun little hatch looking forward to its arrival a lot. And it's also a hatchback, which has a boot, seats that you can fit in and exactly. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm on board with that. I think the ST is excellent in that marker. Just recently, I drove the 208 GTI Edition Definitive, mm. um, which is very much in the same vein. And there's so much to be said for a car that you can do that and you can enjoy so much of its potential yeah. every day. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you keep your big V8s and whatever and... Yeah. You'll never get to use them until that one weekend every couple of months that you get to take it to the track. Yeah. Like uh, I, it's, I, you know. I understand that there are different people enjoy their cars different ways. Some people can just stand there and look at it and get a massive buzz from how a car looks. That's fine and totally valid. Also, you might have an AMG or a BMW M car where you start the car and it gives you the big boom, you know, all that. Yeah. The drama of that, that's fun. It's, yeah. I, no, no problem. But the whole package, like a car that you can also get in and drive and enjoy every aspect of it uh, day to day, I think that's got a lot going for it. Absolutely. Yeah? All right. Now, we're moving from the positive to the more negative here because we're going to go to our blowing a gasket segment. And J3 is going to take the lead on blowing that little medium between the head and the block away um, on a particular subject. um, And it's automotive trends... This is to quote you, J3, yep. that must die. They need to in, die in 2019. Year. All right. I'm so, so sick of seeing these. Fine. I think around. we've we've got six or seven. So um, let's try. You know, you've got a, a broad target there that you're firing away at. So yep. first one uh, I've got down here is drive modes. Yep. Yep. Take oh, us away. For me. Okay. So back in the day, engineers when they make a car, they pick one tune. One tune for the engine, suspension gearbox shift points if it was an auto whereas these days we need to have comfort mode we need to have a sport mode and then a sport plus mode and then a race mode and then an eco mode and then there's auto mode too if you're not interested in doing it and then there's an individual mode which is if you're very interested in it and you're quite picky now the interesting thing is that i've found is that most of the time all of them are just garbage they're not garbage but they're not as good as they could be right so yeah why? What's the... It's interesting, isn't it? It uh, offers up that bigger question of choice. Yeah. You know, it's when you're in the supermarket and, oh, God, I, got all, I just want to buy some laundry detergent. Yeah. And there's 20 different brands. It, it just spears and going, down the horizon. And going to the one that sells just one brand, you go, oh, this is easy, great. I don't have to make a choice. Yeah. There's only one to buy. So yeah. I, I hear you. I think yeah. that's really valid. By the same token... In some cars, the difference between mm. comfort, comfort and a sport setting is quite marked. You've got magnetic dampers that can 
almost instantly changed the damping characteristics of the mm. car. Uh, I think that's got a lot going for it. Yeah. It doesn't come cheap, mm. um, but I hear, I hear what I you're think saying. Holden did it very well with their dampers. Yep. But I th- this is something Gordon Ramsay once said, and it's, I'm just going to apply it here because it so actually he, he was cooking up a car. No, not quite. <laughs> but he said if you go to a restaurant and their menu is just pages and pages and pages of food, that's a good indicator that they don't know. What? Really, what that restaurant that's an is or analogy. what it can be. Yeah, yeah. So if that's in a car, say with the HSVs, you got sport and touring, is or track and touring. Uh-huh. Both of those have spent. They're refined enough to. They are what they are. Mm-hmm. They're very well calibrated out. Yep. Whereas when you have so many modes, and all the engineers need to multitask and figure out which mode does what in the same amount of time as what it took to make one mode. Yeah. They're multitasking. It's interesting, though, isn't it? HSV, very focused in terms of maybe not so much since they were in the sports cat era, but when they were um, can, you know, modifying Commodore-based cars. Yeah. Um, very focused. HSV owners knew what they were getting. If you're a BMW or a Mercedes-AMG, you've got to kind of balance the scales between, yes, we're a performance sedan, coupe, cabrio, whatever it might be, but there's that luxury element as well. We, like we, the M5. Yeah. yeah, we've got to have the comfort factor in there also. So the ability to juggle that is a real positive um, for mm. those brands. And if it can be done well, yeah, so be it. But I don't know whether the laundry list of modes you actually called out exists in any one car. No. Uh, but, yeah, take your point. I can see both sides And it, of it. only adds complexity and cost, and yeah, it's right. just another thing to break. There, I mean, I, there was there was just like two cars that really stand out for me that had really, really great modes. Yeah. And one of them was the uh, earlier version of the current Fiat 500, which had a 100-horsepower engine, had a sports button, yep. transform the car, transform <laughs> right. the car. It was so much more fun to drive. The Man. transmission was snappier. It, the engine was more... It, it, it sounds silly, but it was such a great... Was it auto or manual? It was... It's a. Um, it's an automated manual. The single clutch. Yeah. yeah I, um, so, yeah. and just... that it transformed the car. And the other one that springs to mind is the Kia Stinger. The individual mode, I love how you can set it up so everything's sporty except for the suspension. Yeah, so if, sure. you, if you just want to like have that little moment where you yeah. hop off the lights and go real quick, but you don't want to shatter your spine every time you hit a pothole, mm, it's, it's just got the perfect mode. And I mean, you do have M1 and M2 buttons on a lot of M cars, so you can tailor it. But look, we've got to move on. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to move on to your okay. next beef. J3's next beef is... Flat uh, one, one, wheels. One, no, one face for the whole brand. Oh, yeah? All right, so... <laughs> Cars, okay, nothing, sa- to me, when I see that whole uh, one face for the whole brand, nothing says like a boring dystopia more than just killing individualistic expression. Right. okay. Cars can be whatever you want them to be, sort of, like there are limitations to that. And this is a pretty childish argument. It's not rational. but I just, wouldn't expect just, anything else. To just hear me out here. So cars can take inspiration from anything. Sure. They can take it from an F12 Raptor, like the Lamborghini Aventador. They can take it from a fountain pen, like a Rolls-Royce Phantom. They can take it from an iPod, like that Volkswagen XL1 uh, Hypermotor. And a lot of Japanese brands are huge on nature. This is yeah. the leaf. They're, it's not called leaf for nothing. Yeah. you know. And animals and yeah. the whole bit. Yeah. Like the pouncing cat in the jungle. The uh, concept like a, of in, movement. Like a tiger. Yeah. The yeah. concept of movement. That was my favourite one. Yeah, that's, the, that's Master's one. The concept one. of yeah. movement. Yeah. <laughs> Jinba Ite. Horse and rider as one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So then you've got other things like the EB Falcon, which I'm fairly sure was based off a cane toad, and the <laughs> Land Rover Evoque convertible. Mm-hmm. That, oh, yeah. That's just a mobile tanning salon. Sure. Pretty much the, the yeah, yellow. Yeah. So cars can be Maybe whatever. Maybe you could you... get some of those silver kind of things you put under your chin what? as options. The ornament or something, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so 
they can cars sort of this is going to sound like an inspirational speech but it isn't cars can pretty much be what you want them to be or look like so why are we just having Audis, Mercedes, BMWs, blah blah blah, all just look exactly the same? It's about the same. being a brand. Mm. I know, and, that and it, 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 it's it's really the challenge is to make your cars agree with one another laterally in terms of this point in time, yeah, as well as recognise the heritage going backwards. So I, it's recognisable as a Mercedes Benz or a BMW or an Audi. I get that it's for brand recognition and marketing, and so that non people, non car people can be like. Oh, I know what that car is over there. But, like, I think Merck, Audi, and BMW did this pretty well about 10 years ago, 10, sure. 15. Yeah. Like, early 2000s. Whereas now, when I see an E-Class, I, well, if it is an E-Class, I need to actually walk around the yeah. back. Yeah. Because mm. you can't tell I think anymore. I agree with you. And I, I reckon... There are, like there's a limit. There are times where the pendulum swings too far yeah. in favour of that. Con- it becomes conformity yeah. rather than consistency, yeah. um, and you have to pull it back a bit. So maybe we're at a point where yep. that, that needs to be – we need a readjustment. I think the Germans are serial offenders, but to uh, the best example I can think of is Mazda. That like yeah. all their cars have yeah. so consistent design language, but they all look different, and you can tell which one you're looking at. Except yeah. for the CX-8 and the CX-9. Every yeah. single time I'm like, what is that? <laughs> but – there more, you often, go. more often than not, the CX-9 has that really nice red paint. Next head on the chopping block Next head is, is electronic dipsticks. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Ele- dipsticks have worked for decades and decades and decades. Nothing was wrong with them. You can't perfect them. They just work. They're there. They don't break. They do their job. They don't complain. This is J3 in curmudgeonly, mm. you know, Luddite phase. Yeah. Mm. So His element. Yeah. In the past couple of years, the Germans and some other manufacturers have gone, what if we replace that with an electronic, an ele- sorry, an electronic yeah. uh, oil gauge? And so you turn your car on, you need to go into the iDrive thing, you hit OK, go through submenus, hit OK, and then you need to wait five minutes for the thing to balance sure. out. And then, as opposed to... Instead it's, of just the, pulling the thing out and looking at mate, it. Mate, it's the classic kind of, um, you know, NASA was pulling itself inside out to, to make a pen that would write in space, upside down, and Russians, and Russians use a pencil. Use the yeah. So, so that sometimes simplicity is is the best way to go. And sometimes tech does exist because someone's sitting there at a desk going, "I get paid a lot of money yeah. to, to I, do I what need, I do. I, I better I, make some stuff I, up. I need to think something <laughs> yeah. up." Yeah. Yeah. So, look, that's that's probably a fair Again, fair point. And it's just another thing to break. Right now, keep the blood pressure up, mate. Okay, flat bottom <laughs> steering, flat bottom wheels. steering Here wheels. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, steering wheels. They work. They mm-hmm. work because they're a circle, and when you're going around corners, you know what's coming up. More circle. So yep. why would you carve out a huge chunk of the main main driving user? What is it? What's it called? User interface. What did I write down? Gotta... <laughs> I don't know. The steering wheel, the, J3. The Just... major, major driving control. I think you're losing it. You're starting to Possibly. shake it. It is really hot in this room, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Everyone's sweating. Look. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind flat bottom steering wheels. I don't. Well, a lot I. of people I, hate them. Okay, sell it to me. <laughs> I think you're a nutbag. S- sell it I mean, to it, me. it comes, sell. it comes out of motorsport, in the sense that because. when when you've got a race car with a, a <laughs> super quick, yeah, yeah, you've got rack. a you've got a certain rack there. You don't, you know, this, and you've you've gone 180 degrees. Yeah. So that's what it's about. Um, and now you look at F1 car; it's some little carbon fiber handle thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so steering wheels, in the sporting sense don't need to be round, you can still use these ones if you do need to do a three-point turn or whatever it is. Yeah, but if you're doing a three-point turn with like an Audi RS 
sport wheel that's just flat on the bottom. And you're looking around and you're going, where am I turning? And then you go to grab something that's not there. <laughs> See, I'm, like, doubting, I'm doubting your abilities now. Right. If, if well, you're unable to turn the car well, around because there's a bit of a flat bit on the steering wheel. Well, let me just simplify it. If you're driving down the road at seven-tenths or more, you want to be focusing on the road and you want to enjoy everything. Sure. Right? Yep. You don't want to compensate for something that isn't there. Well, the like, fact is, if you're going down the road you want as much at seven tenths, you're not going, oh, God. Oh, you, you're probably at court to three, <laughs> right. and the steering wheel's fine. Next. Next. Let's move on. Um, um, we've got electronic park brakes. Yeah. This isn't a major whinge, but electronic parking brakes, like, I kind of see the point of them if they're hooked up to the transmission. Right. Like, what Mercedes does, if you put it in park, the electronic handbrake goes and turns on automatically. Yep. But with Holden Commodores, like the VF, sorry, not the current one, mm -hmm. you need to do it manually, and it's not synced up. So what's the purpose if you actually need to so go do you down want it, and... So you don't want that to go away. You want it to make more sense I in want, terms of its... I want either a manual lever that I can rip on yep. at the Macca's car park and impress everyone, or I want an automatic one. Oh, that... I wish I hadn't heard that. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, fine. Understood. Now, Tom, you've yep. tossed a couple into the pot here. Let's let's uh, move through them. So, first of all, is faux carbon fibre on the exterior of a car. And here's the thing: I don't mind fake carbon fibre on the inside of a car because I get it. You know, you're a brand, you're a budget constrained brand. You want to separate out your sports model from the rest of the range. You put a little plastic faux carbon fibre insert across the dash. Fine, sure. Don't don't care about that so much. What what bothers me is when they put it on the outside. So I drove two cars recently that have this: the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. Yep. Why? Uh, and then the, lighter weight. <laughs> and lighter weight, except it's the same plastic with a different <laughs> I, pattern on it. Yeah, I, I know that. Too. And then um, and then Suzuki Swift Sport. Look, great car. I'm glad that it exists. Yeah. Why How is can there you have the sport name without faux carbon fiber? But it's a huge insert. It's massive. Right. At the Where back. is this? On the back. On the, the back, car, That yeah. rear diffuser type thing. That yeah. Keep the diffuser. vibe going, Tom, yep. and let it roll into puddle lamps. Puddle lamps. This, to me, is as offensive as personalized number plates. Wow. Why? Offensive? Offensive. Yeah, I'm offended well, by it. Why, well, why, do you, why do you need this? Go why, back to your blog, Tom. Do, have you forgotten you're what you're driving that you need to... I've got, oh, I got a mustache. Oh, well, I've got to, say, uh, I've got to say, I've sometimes been in a car and people have, um, getting out of the car have noticed, what's that on the ground? Oh, oh, look at that. <laughs> Oh, there's a graphic on the ground. How did Wait, that happen? Sarcastically? No, oh, just no, genuinely. Like, genuinely whoa, impressed. what's that? I thought he meant oh, sarcastically. It's, it's in the shape of a something or other, whatever uh, it might be. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's all it's about. It's I, just I, a little kind of wow factor. I don't see that lasting more than about six months. Right, so you want to see the back of it yep. in 2019. Yeah, because yep. one of the LEDs or something is going to go out, and you're only going to have it on one door. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it yeah, does seem point. like a bit of a tosser thing to do. Like, you know yeah. the SLS AMG with the doors? Yeah. First time you open it up, well, check that out. Whereas when you, like going to get the groceries in your Land Rover and it says Land Rover Defender yeah. and it's like just put in my two litres worth of milk. So when, when you're trying to restore your Skoda in time to come and you're trying to find the LED badge oh mine only says Coda at the moment I've got to <laughs> yeah. get the Yeah you get a I've bit of crud in the there or something yeah, yeah, oh God, God, What a yeah. pain but J3 there's one that you would like to actually bring back yeah. um, that has sort of faded away over time tell us about that. Yeah so this was pretty cool um so back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, 
Ferraris and Lamborghinis, but mostly Lancias and Fiat's would have their taco, right? You know what it's, yeah. Why am I going on about that? But anyway, so you'd have your little red part that would be like, danger zone, don't go in here. But you'd also have your yellow marker or a yellow shade, which a lot of, apparently, I read this on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? But apparently that yellow shade isn't there for aesthetic reasons, like, watch out, you're going into the danger zone soon. What it actually means is that's the... To peak, point, peak power. Peak power delivery. Yeah. So that's the point you want to stay on at most points. So. And you mentioned before that there's, some have a green zone. Some have a green zone. Which will be zone. about your band of peak torque. That's your band of peak torque. Yeah. So not like your school bus, kind of like your school bus, how it had like 500, 100, 1,500 or whatever, and it had that band of blue thing saying Mac, that's your peak torque. So when you were about to say Mac One. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to hold it together. James, sure, yeah. sure, you are. Um, <laughs> Going so well, J3. So you'd have that. Bring it home. Talk. So yeah. I just think that would be super cool to have that in your normal. The thing I would car. say is I, I understand where you're coming from. I remember at the launch of the NA MX5 um, yeah. that it's this retro car in the style of a Lotus Elan, and when you go retro, you get a lot of retro problems. Like you're driving mm. the car and go, oh, there's reflections all over those instruments. Yeah. I can't even see them. So. I hear what you're saying, and also in this very kind of uh, speed-sensitive era, a digital speedo, sadly, makes a lot of spend, uh, sense because you do have to keep your eye on your road speed yeah. um, so much. But I understand the emotion, and I agree with it. I think practicality has got in the way yeah. um, of all of that. You know, Yeah, uh, but it's just that cool attention to detail, yeah. Mr. Pritchard, how are we going for time? Can you tell us uh, where we are on the, on the time factor? Um, we are just approaching half. Okay, well, terrific. We'll continue on and we'll move into our section, which is called In Our Garage. What is going on in terms of the three of us and the most significant vehicle that we've um, set our backsides in this week? So we'll kick it off with UJ3, Land Rover (laughs) Discovery Sport. Give us a a quick thumbnail on on your thoughts on that car, Uh, good and bad. So first time I drove that, uh, that was yesterday for half an hour, so this isn't going to be the most rounded or (laughs) in-depth discussion about that. No problem. But while I was driving it, I was thinking, what's the best way to summarize a manufacturer? And most people would say, drive their best car, and that will give you an indication of what the brand is and what they do and what their ethos is and blah, 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 blah. Yep. But I actually had a thought which was, no, you don't do that. You drive their cheapest car. If you, what, What's the most expensive Mitsubishi on the market? The Outlander Fev, possibly? Possibly, yeah. You don't drive that. You drive the Mirage. Fine. If you want the Merc, you don't go for the S-Class. You go for the A-Class. Yep. See both ends of the spectrum. I get you. Yep, yep. So I was driving the Disco Sport, and it just kind of felt like a cheap dare I say. Not, okay. not as in like the, it can go anywhere, because I was just driving down Parramatta Road, but I was touching all, all, all the controls. What were the attributes? Was it it's kind of the sound of the car, no. the way it felt on the road? No, just the interior feel of it. All right. Like the steering wheel controls, they're big, they're chunky, and sure, they might look cool, but they don't feel like a JLR product. And okay. they're used in Jaguar sedans too, so that was like, what's going on there? But as well, I said... the synergy, isn't it, across yeah. those? Oh, sorry, I just said synergy. Okay, and that's now, a word I had. <laughs> correct. Let's see the back of that in 2019. Tom, we're going to switch straight to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Jeep, 
uh, J3 just touched on Jeeps, but this time it's a compass, yeah? Jeep compass. It's actually hard not to draw comparison between yep. the two. Uh, my dad actually has a Discovery Sport, and I, I went to visit him over Christmas, and I just sat the two next to each other, and I thought, oh, geez, they're, they're kind of similar. They're kind of, I mean, the, the compass is a bit smaller, but anyway, I drove the Limited 4x4, which comes with all the off-roady features. Which engine? Because there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, so it was a 2-litre diesel. Okay, so not the 2.4-litre four-cylinder that uses like 20 litres per 100k. Yeah, not the oh. Tiger Shark. The tiger Shark. Tiger yes. Shark. Yeah. Um, no, it's the Multi-Jet 2, which is... Megalodon. Yeah, actually Fiat vernacular. But anyway, so I, I, I drove this thing, and I think to me it, it represents sort of how far Jeeps come, and it's yep. kind of, because it's their new... I think it's their newest vehicle out on market at the moment uh we don't have the jl yet is the jl out yet the the new wrangler not sure man. not not quite maybe so f- for them it's their it's their newest car to market i think it feels so good on the inside like it, it's yep. it's come so far since jeeps of the past i remember the old compass and it was pretty average on the inside and the outside and this new one i think it looks stylish i think the interior feels fantastic there are still some things that they haven't quite nailed. Like, the seat, for some reason, isn't as comfortable as it looks. Right. And there's just some stuff like that. But well, I, I thought it was nice to drive. I mean, it's... it's uh, Jeep's ridden a roller coaster in Australia, hasn't it? You know, uh, they were all the rage, totally hot product, couldn't get enough Cherokees, Grand Cherokees, sold them all, and then had some reliability mm. woes that blew up into a PR nightmare. Yeah, um, that was that guy who made the music video, fell into it, it Fell into a big trough. Mm. Um, so if that's part of a, a fight back, Good on them. You know, mm. if, if that car's feeling good, time will tell on reliability. Always does. But yeah. we've got to move on. I'll touch... Sorry, J3. Was... Stop that. <laughs> Stay right there. Um, I'm just going to quickly touch on the fact that I drove the Merck AMG C43 uh, recently, and it's that Goldilocks sweet spot between the high-end uh, C-Class models and the full-fat um, C63S AMG. And it's a V6 twin turbo. It's more than 100 grand, but under 115. It's loaded with features. It's got so much safety tech, you wouldn't believe it. It's 10 out of 10 on safety. It sounds great. It can be civilized when you want it to be. It's got the magnetic damping system. Mm. Uh, you, you can and 50 modes. You can tune it with, with multiple modes, uh, but it actually becomes much more buttoned down when you want it to. Uh, I think it's beautifully built. It looks and feels fantastic inside. Mm. Uh, I like the look at the current C-Class, and it just beefs it up a little bit, a little more macho. I really enjoyed the car. And much and all as a six-figure car is not cheap, this one represents good value when you think about an Audi um, S5 um, and maybe it's a BMW 440i or something like that. Um, it's in the same territory as a base uh, Cayman. Mm. So if mm. you want it, like it's mid-engine and two-seat, but it's kind of the same dough. I really enjoyed the car. I, I like it a lot as that balance between. I think the 43 is is really Ben's sort of in its element, you know? Like, I, I really liked the two-generation old C63 now, and yep. that car was it was silly and it was over the top. And I, I like that it's so balanced, though, the 43. Yep. Like, it's not it's no, not too much of that over-the-topness. True. And it, it's, it's going to appeal yeah. to particular people. It's not as if, oh, I can't quite get the cash yeah. together. To buy a, a 63. No, I think it's going to be people that definitely want that car. It's a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So yeah. anyway, loved it. Now we're going to move on to our favourite segment, Musquatch. Great. So with a tip of the hat to technocrunch.com, 
We've reproduced a chart for those watching on YouTube that describes Tesla's roller coaster ride through 2018. And I'll just touch on a few milestones. The, the, the chart basically rises and crashes like um, an, a, a sick person's pulse, you know, if you're looking at the EEG. Um, and anyway, a few milestones. Model 3 production hill, burning through millions a day in the first part of 2018. Then SpaceX launched its Falcon Heavy rocket, which is just amazing. That was such a breakthrough moment. Um, then on April the 1st, April Fool's Day, Elon sent out his, oh, we're bankrupt, we're bankrupt tweet, which was just ridiculous and caused people to worry about this is the guy running the company. He launched a roadster into space. He made an earnings call a bit of a nightmare by saying that the questions coming at him were boring and not cool, and the share price just plummeted straight <laughs> afterwards. Um, then, magically, 5,000 Model 3s were produced in a week on, on July 1. Incredible. Then I've just got a couple of phrases for you. Pedo, pedo guy, um, funding secured. Uh, that one went down well, particularly with the mm. SEC. Um, smoking a joint with Joe Rogan. That, that was brilliant. Then, out of nowhere, comes a third quarter profit. Mm. Boom. The car company becomes profitable. Tesla. Um, a new chairperson, it's Robin Downholm, an Australian formerly of Telstra, now of Tesla, which confuses the heck out of me. Um, and all for a 3.8% share price gain over the course of the year. Yeah. So that's, that's better than Ford and GM and FCA, it's got to be said. But the high was $380 and the low was 250 That's a pretty wild swing. Record revenue, record losses, all of it seemed to be self-inflicted and seemingly... So easily avoided. Yeah. Uh, but what drama? Like, come on, that keeps you on your toes. I, I it does. Think, it does. I think, well, it's kept this segment alive throughout the last <laughs> year. We've never shorted material for Muskwatch. But that's yeah. my favorite number, I think, is, you know, three, what is it, 3.4% yeah. is the ultimate change. I think that's sort of emblematic of two things. It's the cult of personality uh, around Elon. People should just stop listening to him. Sure. This graph would have been almost flat. Um, or an even kind of trajectory yeah. towards a, a stable rise. And also the fickleness of investors in this company, the fact that not only do they listen to him, but they're willing to make or yeah. break an entire investment stuff. based on yeah. something as whimsical as Elon Musk smoking pot on Joe yeah. Rogan's podcast. It's like, true. <sighs> yeah, it's true. Anyway. <laughs> You're right about the cult of personality. Look, and in, in this year... There are some headwinds in the U.S. For example, the two thousand dollar—it's a two thousand dollar reduction um, in the subsidy, the uh, federal tax credit that the U.S. government paid for you buying a zero emissions vehicle. That's Kaputsky, so he's actually cut prices by two thousand dollars to compensate. So that takes some profitability um, out of the business. He's got the new Model Y coming, which is a, a smaller SUV. So we'll see how that goes. Like he's still trying to get on top of Model Three mm. production. And and here comes a, here comes yeah. another model pickup. Heavy truck, on right, it goes, so. and of course, yeah, there's Elon's phone. Um, that's that's a problem. Someone needs to get it and break it over their knee. Mm. But you're right; we're all talking about him. People listen because he's in the news constantly. And we must say that uh, the Model Three production tracker, courtesy of Bloomberg, has a figure of four six oh nine. That's up four hundred and fifteen units on where we were in late December per week, but it's still under five thousand. And you've got to remember, Musk and the then Tesla CFO, uh, in a letter to shareholders in July last year, said, having achieved our 5,000 per week milestone, we'll now continue to increase that further, with our aim being to produce 6,000 Model 3 vehicles by, per week by late August. 
we then expect to increase production over the next few quarters beyond 6,000 per week while keeping additional CapEx limited. Did not happen. Mm. Has not happened. Ever. 6,000. So, still, and those claims are being um, investigated by the SEC as to whether or not they were meant to manipulate the share price of yeah. the company. Are they even possible? Like, they're building these things in a, a marquee outside the factory. Like... Yeah, it's a wedding marquee, yeah. you know, from, yeah, Paddy's hire. Anyway, I think with that rant, we have reached the finish line. Um, and thank you, Tom. And thank you, J3. And thanks to our producer, Mr. Pritchard. He's so much better than Marsden. You know, if Marsden really spoke his mind, he'd be speechless. Um, and thank you for listening. Please get in touch and make this a two-way conversation. To, he- to have your say, good or bad, search for carsguide.com... Uh, sorry, search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the tag at CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube And if you're an iTunes devotee, please rate and review us. Until next week, congratulations on successfully navigating the Christmas New Year period. Remember, a drunk driver is very dangerous. But so is a drunk backseat driver if they're persuasive. Hmm.